and hello movie lovers and welcome to the show with me i have an incredible guest with me tonight i'm going to be interviewing the director of the hill jeff santano and also baseball legend ricky hill i had the privilege to be able to go out and see this film saturday my wife and i did we enjoyed it so much and i just think it's a huge honor and being blessed by being able to do this so let's go on ahead let's do this i'm excited to have both of them here so let's go on ahead And hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey John, nice to be here. Hi nice John. Nice having you here. Hey, Thank how you, you doing, Ricky? Thank you, buddy. Thank you. You're very welcome. And I just want to say it's a privilege to have you guys on here. I went out, my wife and I went out Saturday, went to senior film. It is a fantastic film. And I was just telling Ricky before in the green room before we started, I believe that you need to have this kind of lighthearted film beneath all this darkness that we have within some of the films. Don't get me wrong. I like Oppenheimer. I like some of the other films. They're a little bit more darker and a little bit more apocalyptic, if you will. Mm -hmm. But this, to me, is a beacon, a light into the world of Ricky and to have some inspiration for other people and stuff like that. And that's what I got out of this. And I just want to say congratulations to you both with this film. John, thank you so much. Uh, you're literally echoing what I feel uh, and why I made this film and, and why I feel it's the best time in the world for this movie to come out. It's just, it couldn't be more perfect. I mean, we are living in a dark kind of upside down world. And uh, to have a film that people are getting touched by, and one of my um, uh, PR people that works in the theater world, he's, there's about 20 people working on this movie, but this one guy, John Spinello, he goes the extra mile getting our theaters all lined up and getting posters sent all over the world. People have no idea what it takes to get 2000 screens going, which is what they've upped it to now or close to that. And then get all Impressive. the, yeah, I get all the theaters to get the posters in. And he wrote me, I wrote him and I said, thank you so much for everything you do, John. I got one little question in my hometown of St. Augustine, Florida. They said my poster's not in the lobby. And I know we've been dealing with this one theater. I won't mention their name. And they keep having little problems. And he laughed. He said, well, they're not a chain. They're an individual theater. I will call them again. But Jeff, never feel funny about calling me because this is one of the most beautiful pictures I've ever worked on. And he's worked, he's been in the business for like many, many years. And, you know, worked on Academy Award winning movies. And he said, the reason why I said that, he said, is because what it's doing to people, how it touches people. And I, I, here's the thing. It actually touched my heart in this theater. And also, too, I want to mention this. My co-host, Rossi, says she's looking forward to watching the film in, in theaters as well. But here's the thing. It definitely inspired me to doing what I do as well as a podcaster, someone that's trying to come up from the ground up and everything and still grind and still work hard. And that's what I think this movie is. It's inspiration for whatever trial or tribulation that you're going through. You can find meaning behind this movie. And also, too, I think it's incredible that it, through every single obstacle that Ricky was went through, he still fought. He still fought the good fight of faith and still filled up his end and did everything that he could possibly do. And I and that, to me, is a fantastic thing. I've really found this very, very moving. I was crying. I was laughing. I love Dennis Quaid as the father, the father inside dynamic whenever the kid, little boy's uh, little and then it goes into him being a teenager. Fantastic job with that. I just want to say the transition between the two could take either take somebody out of this movie or it could actually add in some flavor. For me, it added it on both ends where it ends up filling 
the ne- the niche of what you need to do with this film. And I think that it was perfectly well p- paced and perfectly well executed. Thank you so much. I'm going to, we're, we're going to get to Rick in one second. I don't want to, you know, um, talk too much, but I just want to say one thing. So something happened on this movie. Um, well, you're getting us right after the release. You're, you're our first interview. And um, something happened to me the other day. I sent it to Ricky. I haven't heard back from Ricky. He's probably waiting for this, um, this, this interview to tell you about it, but I sent it to everybody on our team because it blew my mind when I read it. I cried like it just broke into tears. Um, some very prolific, very literary guy, you know, literate guy wrote um, an email to me, reached out, found my email online, uh, emailed me like a two page, three page letter about how this movie moved him in a way he can't even describe because Ricky, his father went through something similar to Ricky very different in what happened to him, but he he had a lot of similarities in this movie. And I'll make it really short. The guy's father was a baseball freak. He loved baseball. He wanted to play baseball. He played baseball. Um, at a certain age, I can't remember what the age was, somebody sent um, a, a fastball into his forehead between his eyes and blinded him for life. He was going to give up, but the entire... I think it was the Cardinals or somebody came around him and helped him get his life back. And then Mickey, his dream was to get to know Mickey Mantle or meet Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle came to his side, became his best friend. John Smoltz became his best friend, his father's wow. best friend. He called me and told me that he, he, he just wrote this letter all about missing his father and how this movie brought back all the memories of his dad and how he knows, just like Ricky's mom and dad are watching, just like Graham says in the film, he knows his father is looking down watching this movie. And he sent me pictures of his dad with Mickey Mantle. I mean, this guy had an injury. His father had an injury that blinded him. Ricky had an injury that stopped him from playing baseball. Um, and all the people around him, just like Ricky, brought his father back into the fold and made, made him happy. And he ended up becoming an announcer for baseball. Uh, it, awesome. was, it was incredible. And, and I sent it to everybody and they said, this is the most inspiring thing I've ever read in my life. And I said, look, I don't even know what movie I made. I was making a beautiful, inspirational movie. I had no idea what it's doing to people. It's, it's hopefully going to last a long time. I think it is. I think it has the same legs as uh, Rudy and things like yeah. that too. I think it's going to have that, uh, conversation of the underdog and succeeding and and things and stuff like that too, but uh, Ricky, my question for you though is this: Okay, so I know that Dennis Quaid played uh, the father in this movie. So would you say it's as close as you could possibly get whenever uh, you're seeing the film and seeing your life being on the screen? Well, I tell you, uh, I will say this much: that I don't know how in the world he did it, but this guy is like he within one hour that he and I even talked about it. And the next thing you know, I look up and I basically saw my father. And the thing that I, I noticed about this film, Ricky, is this, like, I think someone can be so closed in to um, basically being so close to something and not realizing what's in front of them and realizing, wait, this, my son has a talent, but I don't see it because I'm so close to the situation versus people on the outside of everything. And is that, do you agree with that? Or do you think that um, your father might've just was trying to protect you as long as he could? 
No, he uh, he always protected me. Always protected me in the real uh, in the real truth of things. The fact that he always wanted me to be a preacher. Of course, why would you not? I even had the ability to do that. I mean, there's nothing that he saw that his son could not do. That's how he looked at me. He knew I could play baseball, but he also knew I could preach. He saw me out there preaching at eight years old. So, I mean, I, I don't blame the man for not wanting me to be a preacher. You can't blame him. I mean, so he wanting me to be a baseball player, yeah. you mean? That's right. Well, he wanted, no, he wanted me to be, he wanted me to be uh, a, a preacher, but yet I wanted to be a ball player. And that's right. when we said, I said, I choose both. And you see, I think that's actually the best way to go about it is you're putting God first before anything else. And that's the way it should be. And I think that you can go after your passions, but you also need to go on ahead and put God first before your passions. And, I, and that's exactly what you did. And I think I commend you for that because some people are like, well, how do I go ahead and choose both? How do I play both sides of this thing? How do I go ahead and do this? Just by believing in him, accepting him, and also seeing where the journey goes within your own life and your own crossroads and stuff like that on what to do. But yeah, life is hard, but those are your uh, tribulations. Those are your things that you're going to go through. And I think that God helped you through all that. And I know he did. And he knew the gift that you had. It's just a matter of getting there is the thing. You know, Ricky, that, that cross that Ricky carves in the base, before mm -hmm. the base, that some people think is just a beautiful thing. And that was his signature. But there's way more to it. And you know exactly what that means. He's putting God ahead of him before the ball comes, before the game. Exactly. Before Go ahead, Rick. I always did. Um, I guess when I first got my braces off, you know, that was, um, that was a, a beautiful thing. Of course, I didn't just get them off, took them off, but saying that I, um, um, I always started drawing across and letting them know, letting God know, Hey, you're first, this bad is second. And we're good at both. That's basically what I said. We're good at both. We make I, it I definitely good. saw the symbolism there. Yeah. Yeah, I just said it, we're good at both. And I uh, try to use it as my ability. He gave me ability to hit a ball. I don't know why he gave me ability to hit the ball so far. I don't know. I've always wondered that myself, why. But yet, um, um, you know, one day I'll find out. But. I guess it struck a chord with him to give it, give me both of them. You know, if it may, I guess I can say that just give me both. Cause he gave me both. John, I want to say, uh, you know, like you said earlier, what I love about this film right now, what it's doing to people is any, everybody's going through something. Right. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got something they're struggling through. And it seems this movie's given them a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's, I think so there's, too. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, my son's changed. Uh, he's autistic and he wants to play baseball now. He never had a direction. Um, you know, when we were in Houston at the at Joel Olstein's screening at the Lakewood Church, we had so many people that were so moved that Ricky and I, we cried our eyes out. You know, I mean, 
so we cried so many times on this journey that we're, we're like we need a little <laughs> bit of a break but i gotta tell you we have a lot of laughs too right rick absolutely we did we have laughed so hard through this movie just the craziness that's happening um making a film the things that are happening to us that um amaze us every day and um uh, the fact that the audience, you know, you make a movie for the audience. That's all you make it for. You don't make it for anybody else, not critics, not not people who don't get it. You know, you make it for people who understand it. And um, we had no idea that we were making it for people that understand it the way they have. I mean, I'm I'm blown away at what's happening. It's just it's a it's there's no words really to say I could sit here and tell you 10 times, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. Exactly. It's just incredible at the at the art that you're making and not knowing what kind of legs this movie's going to have. Right? And that's yeah. one of the, one of the beautiful things about filmmaking and also making something like this, because you don't know what you have until the finished product is actually on the screen for the right people to see. And yeah. it did, the, it did a number on me. Like it, it made me cry. It made me laugh. Uh, the part where Rick's father is breaks down on his, with his car and he's like, oh, great. What could possibly go wrong now? And then all of a sudden, the uh, tire blows out. And then you also have the other part where the rain is coming. And I like that scene because of the fact it shows the human nature of what we do and how we react to things. And then it could be something so small as a child to try and brighten some uh, brighten his father's day. Even yeah. though he's having this bad day, he managed to find a way for the family to laugh. And that was one of the sweetest, most touching moments in that film to me. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. That's probably one of my ma major favorite scenes of the film. I mean, some people also don't know what it takes to make a movie and what you go through. I mean, 17 years trying to get this movie made. You finally get it made. You get this incredible investor. And then you got to make it. <laughs> and, and I wanted to make this movie as if I had $30 million. Well, I didn't. I, mean, I had a fraction of, of that, if, if that. And so my producer would just about have a nervous breakdown, Warren Ostergaard. He and I made this movie with our bare hands, the two of us. We made the movie, the two of us. But that includes everybody else that was involved. It would have never been the film it is, and it would have never been a movie without all those people. But when you look into a real movie in a studio, you've got 20 people behind the scenes that are pulling the strings. It was just Warren and I. And I would go to Warren and say, He'd say, how many cars do you want? This is 1960. So we had two movies. We had a 1960 movie. And then you leave and you got a 1970 movie. <laughs> and my, right, costume so designer, my costume designer would say, Jeff, what do you think of this outfit? And I'd say, I love it, but I like that one better. She goes, that's the 60s. Leave me. Don't even go. I mean, that's the 70s. Don't get me confused. I'm having a nervous breakdown already. So for that poor woman, Lolly, um, Lolly Poor, my costume designer, she she's done amazing movies. Like she was a, one of the costumers on titanic and she did the turn series which is all period about the civil war so she's very well versed in, in in period but you know just what i put people through asking for 20 cars 30 cars that are old and what what you find out today is all the old cars are restored so when i say i want some beat up old trucks from 1950 they're like they don't exist they're worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars. nobody so i'd say to some of the guys can i take the paint off and put some dust on that and they'd be like no you know, and then extras. How many extras do you need in the stands? How many extras do you need in the street? We don't have the budget for that. Well, you're going to have to find the budget for that, or we're going to have to figure it out because I want this movie to look big. I want it to last forever, and I don't want it to look like a B movie. I want it to look like an A movie, that we, you know, like The Natural or Field of Dreams. And so 
even though we had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun at the end, my producer Warren and I, I mean, I broke down at the last night, uh, our last shot, Warren came up and put his arm around me and he said, Hey, we did it. We made it to the finish line. And it was like one in the morning. And we shot that Mickey Mantle flashback of Mickey Mantle. And that was our last shot. And I just, I just started crying like a baby and Warren just kind of got shocked. And I said, what do you want from me, man? I'm only human. I mean, this was 17 years and we're here. And the same thing with getting it out in the theater Friday night. It, the baby was birthed. You know? That's just awesome, though. The blood, sweat, and tears, everything that you guys went through to get to this point, it definitely paid off. It doesn't feel like a B movie. It feels like an A-plus movie to me. Wow, and a lot to us. I'm serious, man. Uh, when I said this movie sticks with you, it sticks with me. It stuck with me at work and stuff like that. And I always have a saying, do one thing every single day to get closer to your goal. No matter what you do, do one thing to get you closer to that goal. And what you guys have done with this film, you did things every single day to get closer and closer to that finish line. And it's paying off for you guys in a big way that you never thought even thought possible and everything well then, and, you know god, god is guiding this movie and if we see all the all the actors today it's interesting i'm blown away some days i pull up instagram and there's there's a major movie star like mark Wahlberg now totally a believer in 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 following god and christ and then you look at chris pratt you know and they're all not afraid to talk about it and then you look at kelsey Grammer, same thing there's a movement there's something happening and, and this movie's helping that message get out there and that's all that matters Exactly. You know, I think people, that is important. That don't go to church. I've talked to people that don't go to church and some are even atheists. They love the movie. They get it. It's 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 two hours of entertainment. And hopefully in the end, you it inspires you. And that's all I, I ever cared about. But it's going way further than that. And I couldn't be happier. I mean, who, who would not be happy about that? Exactly, man. Exactly. And, you know, I definitely have to say this, though, too, like, even the stuff where he's where Ricky's out in the baseball field and stuff like that, and then you see him trip over the sprinkler system. I mean, and I went on and has it, ooh, because of how the sound effect actually worked. Yeah, I'm like, and everybody just looked at me like, sorry, I was hurting for Ricky because I actually felt that. Well, we've had whole we've had whole audiences do that. Friday night when I saw right. it with the full house, the whole audience ooed and odd over that moment. But I do have a question real quick, Ricky, too. Okay, so when you take off the braces in real time, in real life and everything, too, what was that moment for you was like, I'm going to do this? And what was it like just removing that those braces and coming to grips with the fact that you're going to go on ahead and go out there and do pull, all, pull, pull it all? It was interesting because, you know, at the same time, I actually got to hit with a real bat a real ball. Uh, I didn't own a glove. I did not own a pair of cleats. I didn't, a lot of times I didn't, I didn't even own a pair of shoes. Um, but uh, the shoes that I would wear were kind of handmade to keep, to keep by. Um, and duct tape, which is what I copied in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which he did. He actually did. I didn't own anything. And then, um, but I was so good that, that the uh, coaches would all go buy my equipment. And I didn't even have to buy it, thank God, because didn't have, we didn't have the money. Thank we you. didn't have any money. And um, 
So that was a blessing to take those off, get it real bad in my hand. And I just started uncorking them like I've been corking them from day one. Like I never, ever even, it was just amazing to watch me hit it. And my brother, it just was so easy for me to hit a baseball that I couldn't believe it because it was so big. <laughs> All those rocks he hit, you know? Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like a medicine ball coming at him or a beach ball, like we I've told many people. Yeah, pretty much. Right, because you guys didn't have the best of money or anything like that either, especially with being a traveling uh, preacher and him trying to provide for you guys. So you got, so you had to do what you had to do as well. So the stick and the rock is pretty much like the only thing that you had. And you still went out there. You still wind up slugging the rock just as hard as you could with a baseball. That's very impressive because – a rock is small in mass compared to a baseball, and you were able to do the same thing with a baseball. That's that's impressive. That that's really that's really something. Well, John, you just brought something up to me that I have never said. Um, Ricky and I always say that our lives are so parallel. I struggled for um, seventeen plus years to get this movie made. Um, I wasn't uh, wealthy during that time. I was teaching acting to kids a couple of days a week to make ends meet. Um, I wasn't in any way as close to what Ricky went through, but it was a hardship trying to get this movie made and very frustrating and difficult and trying at times. And what I just realized is we're talking, Ricky had no money uh, to play baseball and I had no money. I had no money to make this movie. I mean, we had a very small budget in hindsight compared to any other movie. Like I'm looking at movies that are up against us, you know, these big movies like, um, Grand Turismo, uh, Grand, uh, yeah, 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 Turismo, and other movies like that, and and uh, even Golda, Golda Meir, Meir you know, th those those movies have a lot of a lot of money. We didn't have that. We had a oh. small budget, and we had to make it look big. And I was struggling like Ricky, trying to show them I was the best hitter. And now it's kind of paying off in the end. And all the struggle I went through, and people I upset that I was just pushing through what I wanted, just like Ricky did. We are so tied, he and I. It's scary. Yeah, it is. I'd like to announce this on your show real fast. It would make my my uh, director very happy, just so you'll know this. I'd like to announce it on your show, if you don't mind, Joe. No, not uh, at all, Ricky. Go on I'm ahead. I'm scared. Okay, right, at the, right at this moment, as we speak, Nolan Ryan is in the theaters watching it as we speak. Oh, man, Rick, really? Yep, as we speak wow. right now. Wow, I was wondering when Ricky kept telling me he was going to see it because they're friends, and I didn't know when. And you know, Red Murph, the, the guy at the end that Scott Glenn plays, the scout right. that's the same scout that discovered Nolan Ryan. That, that's awesome. Because let me just tell you this I love, I love Scott, Scott Glenn, and to have him as, as that scout and everything, I was like, Yes, you need to have a hard ass like him. Oh yeah. Because sorry, excuse me, but I'm just saying you need someone hard to be able to try and push through that, and that's what Ricky did and try to prove himself to, and that's exactly how to me how I picture him being to Ricky and everything, and you know I definitely have to say he did a bit has to drive a plane, Red. Well, Rick, you better call me right after you hear from him, and do not yeah. make me wait. I want, they're calling me tonight. All right. 
Hey, John, who do people tell you look like actor wise? It's actor wise. An actor. No, no. Uh, someone called me Paul Rudd uh, a no, couple of months back. No, no way. You are the you are the twin doppelganger of Shia LaBeouf. I never thought of myself as Shia LaBeouf, but okay, look, look I'll, I'll take it. You 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 could be his brother for sure. Okay, I do appreciate that. I was driving yeah, I'm nuts. Have to tell. I'm talking to you. I'm like, who does he remind me of? And then I realized. I do that all the time with people. So hey, it's perfectly me. fine. I'm perfectly fine with being called Shia LaBeouf. So yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but I just want to say this though too, and I'm looking at movie budgets, right? 250 mil for, and it's hard to actually make bank at, and try to break even on something. That's why I think that movies should go back to about six million to nine million dollars, so that way they can make their movies back. I'm like. But we're not making that. And I said, well, if you go ahead and you start doing it a lower budget, and a lower scale, you'll make your money back compared to 100, 250 million. It takes you about three weeks just to break, try to break even Yeah. on that kind of budget. Right. And I think that what you guys did was you managed to do something on a smaller scale. But I think that it's not so much as a small, this is to you guys as a smaller film. But to us, it's a gigantic film. It's something that you guys managed to fill those seats with those extras. You guys managed to make us believe that this is the 1960s, the 1970s, and to be able to polish up those clothes to make it look authentic. And also, the costume designers deserve their props. You guys deserve your props for this. I was moved by it. I cannot praise this movie enough. I told my coworkers this morning that they need to go out and see this movie. Because of how much I love it. Well, we really respect you and appreciate that big time. Appreciate that, brother. Anytime, Ricky. Um, There's something else I wanted to ask you, though, too. Like, Ricky, you were, whenever you tripped over the um, water sprinkler system, right? So whenever they told you that you may not walk again or anything because of the condition that you have, and so how long did it take you to break that cast and be like, you know what, I'm going to go on ahead and I'm going to practice with this cast on. And then how long did it take you to take that cast off after the, after everything? Well, when I had the surgery, I had my surgery. Uh, it was, um, uh, what you didn't really realize the bone had came through my ankle. So it wasn't a, uh, just a normal ankle injury um but the surgery was uh was a tough one wondering if that he came out in the sports page on the front page because at that time i was a i was a i was a golden glover um uh, in the state of texas and um i was one of the look i was one of the most looked in high school and i did that in my very last game of high school and um and then it said on the headlines that Ricky Hill's career is over. That was the headlines. And I remember reading that myself, breaking my heart, letting me know basically my career is over. But I couldn't accept that. There's no way. And so I said, I'm having this surgery and I'm going to have this surgery and we'll get this thing well. And God's going to help me. And did. So then you had the surgery and you had the cast. And then how long before the cast, when you cut it off, when you went for the tryouts? Uh, two months. Two months. 
So you have the cast off and then you, you, you just hustled and yep. you, uh, you trained the whole time you told me. Yep. I trained every day. That, that's inspiring. That, that is very moving to be honest with you. He told me he actually cut the cast off. You know, the scene where Colin's hitting the balls with the bucket and he's, yeah. he's upset and he's got the cast on and the little boys are there watching him and he hands him the bat. He was sitting on a, he sat down on a bench and he said he cut it off with a knife and he, and he gave that bat to those kids. That's the real story. We just made it a little simpler um, in the sense where he gives the bat with the cast on and then he does it at home in front of his father. Cause I thought yeah. that was more, that was more moving. It was definitely bat. an impactful scene. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was shot in about five minutes. <laughs> they said, you have 20 minutes or we're pulling the plug. And Dennis, I said, Dennis, get in the house, get in the house. Joel, get in the house. Ricky, uh, Colin, sit down, get the bat. They actually didn't know what to do. They handed me a hammer. Then they handed me a wrench. I said, are you guys crazy? Give me the bat. (laughs) 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 He took the bat and he was whacking it. And they said, that's a little radical. Wouldn't that break his leg? I said, no, he's just hitting the cast, guys. It's real. It's what Ricky would do. And because I know Ricky, Ricky would have done it with the bat. (laughs) Because Dennis... Dennis is a team player. He just, he ran in the house. He's like, okay, I'm going. Shut the door. And I went, action. They came out. They looked at him. They, Dennis said, should I say anything? I said, definitely not. This is, this is Ricky's moment. And then Joel, who's an incredible actor, grabs him by the shoulder and, you know, taps him on the shoulder, grabs his arm and pulls him back in the house. Let him have his time, you know, let him have his space. And then, and then we did two more takes and they go, okay, that's it. We're pulling the plug. And I said, one more. <laughs> And the last one is the one that we went with. I think that's that's very impactful to have it done that way. Because it's like you said, it's something that Ricky would have done. And also, too, I don't know Ricky personally, but I think that he's also one of those uh, pe- types of sports people, though, that cannot stand not losing. And he's like, okay, this is what they're writing about me? Okay, this is the final straw. <laughs> so he goes on ahead, takes the bat to the cast and breaks it. And that's what I actually felt with that was the fact that he's not taking it laying down. He's going to go on ahead and he's going to win this. He's in it to win, finish the race that he is meant to finish. R- Ricky was raised like those t-shirts that are everywhere. Raise lions, not lambs. Raise lions, not sheep. Ricky is a lion. He's always been. And sometimes, and some people don't like it. Some people don't like him for it, but that's just who he is. Either accept him for who he is or you don't. And, exactly. I, and I, I've accepted him all these years. We, that's why we've gotten along so well. And he knows me too. I'm also not going to lay down and take it, you know? Exactly. And I love him for it because of the fact that, you know, he has heart. He has someone that cares about what he's doing. Not only does he care about, but also the people around him too. He cares about the people around him, people that he's working with and things like that, allowing God to work through him because he's a vessel for other people to see to be able to do what he's doing. And with this movie, like I said, this is basically his beacon up on a hill for everybody else to see where he can have that movement, where where he could actually see where people can actually take this. Well, this is why his career was taken away. He tells me to get this story out. It would never have been a story. And you know what else? Briarcliff is a studio, basically. They're a studio. They're a big, big company. They're they're umbrella under, um, I think, Universal. And they, they don't mess around. I mean, they're a company. They have money at stake. And they saw the weekend and they saw the, all the reviews and all the, all the comments and all the, all the beautiful comments. And they had a big meeting today. They said, we're having a big conference meeting about your film and we're going to be really straight with you, Jeff. And I said, okay, 
I'm on eggshells. And they called me back and they said, this movie is so powerful. We're not only going to keep it in the theaters, we're going to put more money into getting it out there to everybody because we believe in it. And then John wrote me what this film's doing to people. He's never felt, had that feeling before. I mean, wow, man, I just hope it does, does what I think it's going to do to people and continue on, you know? I think it will, because I'm going to reach out to my church family to tell them about it as well. Because as, whenever I got the tickets and everything from the publicist, too, I wasn't sure if it was going to be playing in where in my theater or anything. So I went on ahead, looked at local places, 30 minutes away. I'm like, OK, this is a sign that I need to go. I need to go see this movie. And my wife and I, we went on ahead, went um, drove 30 minutes away to see this movie. Uh, and I want to say this. Can, any other time, if it was like a two and a half hour movie, you can feel the runtime with going back and forth between childhood and also to going through the adulthood stuff i didn't feel the two hour long runtime you don't feel it at all or anything because i'm so invested into it some critics are trying to say it's long and i've asked people by the hundreds of thousands do you feel this movie's long And they go no we never were at one minute we thought it was long so these are people that are that don't just don't are not in our world you know what i'm saying john where are you located i'm actually located in mississippi oh perfect perfect so um so it's actually so i was able to see that see it over in the biloxi area oh nice because i live like uh 30 minutes away from biloxi i live in bay st louis so you know john i had a a friend of mine from mississippi it's funny you brought that up he called me on the phone bawling (laughs) i mean crazy man he, he saw it before i did and over the weekend, just bawling. And I, I didn't, here I'm sitting here about to ball myself because he's crying. And he just said, I can't believe it. <laughs> he goes, it's just amazing. He said, this has got, this has got everything in it. He said, it's got God, it's got faith. It's got pain. It's got a struggle. It's got everything in it. Why does this world not everybody get a ticket and go see it today? Why? Because it's a weird world we're living in. That's why. Exactly. Everybody's so consumed with the big budget films that are like over 250 million because they actually have a budget to where they can do something with versus things to something like this. And I think that this movie hit is at a right time because I think people are just done with the with the two hundred fifty million dollar. They are. They need. They. You know what, John? You just you just hit the nail on the head. They have all this money, and they just make a big bunch of noise and pretty pictures with uh, digital effects. And back in the day, like when Spielberg was making those kind of movies, and George Lucas, they had heart and they had soul and they had story. Story. That's what I was trained in telling a story. We don't have that anymore. You could have $500 million and yeah, Barbie and all these movies are going to make money because I ask people why they like Barbie and they say, well, because I didn't know what it was about. I thought it was going to be this cute little movie and I got in there and it was not the movie I thought it was. And it's kind of tricky people into the theater. Brilliant, brilliant campaign. I mean, brilliant. No, no, no question about it. I haven't seen it, but um, this movie is just something that kind of like, you know, kind of likens back to the day. It harkens back to the day when we were kids, um, you know, like the movie Stand By Me that really touched my heart. And, you know, the 60s and the 70s were the best times of 
in the eighties even were like the best, the best of the best. And if you're younger and you don't know those eras, you sure wish you did if you ever lived through it. Cause it was, it was just pure, just bliss. Like just being a kid and being able to go outside and play no cell phones. Some people go, well, that's terrible. How did you survive? Well, let me tell you something, you know, some people say, well, all these, all these automatic things today are amazing. Well, I said, you know what I used to love? I used to love getting my hose and washing my own car. It was therapeutic. Well, I just go to the car wash. I go, I know, but you know, now you can do that because they have automatic car washes. Costco has these car washes. You can drive through. You don't have to do anything. I do it all the time. I like it. I hardly ever wash my car, but you know, I have an old Jeep and I get out there in the driveway and I wash that sometimes because it's all covered in mud. And guess what? I love it. And I go, wow, I, I miss those days. So that's what I try to make. I try to bring us back to that era and, 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 and reminiscent of those days, you know. That's what I think this movie captures, though, is the innocence of being a child, of having a dream, of knowing what you want to do, but you don't know how you're going to do it. And then having people that do believe in you and then there's people that don't believe in you or people that think that you live up in the clouds because of the fact that how big your dream actually is. I want to keep you on here for another hour if I could because I'm enjoying this conversation <laughs> like so much. I love it, man. You know, there's a couple guys that we've met throughout our journey, Ricky and I, that we have really become close with. You are definitely on that list of top four. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. There's a couple of guys, and I'll, I'll tell their names. I'll say their names right now. Brig and Brad, they have a show called Sports Will Save Us All. And they become they were at my premiere. I invited them. They flew all the way. One of them flew from Phoenix and the other one is in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And they came to the show with their microphones and their show. And I just gave them the biggest hug, man. I was like, I love you guys. man. You guys, I wish I'd met you before. You would have been at the premiere for sure. I wish I would have, would have known you earlier though, too, but you know, this works too. And I'm it's a privilege totally. to be able to know you guys because yeah, you too. You know, I, that that means so much to me as someone that does this. And, you know, I don't, I don't have anything of my own either. I'm a small indie podcaster. I'm just pleased and blessed every single time I get someone that is within the industry. I'm just so thankful and humble over this because stuff like this don't happen to me all the time. And it's just it just is so moving for me and for my co-host, too. And. I just want to say thank you so much for being on here. Same thing with Ricky. We taking feel y'all's time out to do this. It, it, it's moving to me for you guys to do this. Same for us, believe it or not, obviously. Thank, thank you, brother. Thank you. Anytime, guys. So okay. with that being said, guys, I'm going to go on and close us out on that. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Ricky. Keep okay. on doing what you guys are doing. This movie's incredible. This movie has legs. This movie's so moving and impactful. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, if you are basically going through trials and tribulations within your own self and everything, look to this movie. This movie has faith. This movie has biblical scriptures. And if you don't believe in God or anything, guess what? You can go on ahead, research the Bible scriptures yourself. You can also pay attention to within the movie itself. It has a great lesson. It has values. It shows the innocence of a child growing from being child to a manhood. This movie is just incredible. I cannot thank you guys enough for doing, for allowing me to review this movie and to see this movie and talk about this with you guys. So with that being said, that's going to be it for the show. Always until next time, guys. Have a great and safe night. We'll get, catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. Thank you, John. You're very welcome, guys. You're very welcome.